Hello, I'm Tyler Smith and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you everybody for listening. So just a heads up that I actually don't know when this episode is going to air. Um, I think it will be probably at the end of August. So uh, thank you for, so I have no idea whom to thank for being on the show last week. So uh, whoever it was, thank you. Unless it went poorly, in which case, you know what you did. All right. So we've got uh, we've got a lot to get to today, but first I wanted to mention that this episode, as always, is brought to you by Faith Life TV, which is a new streaming service that, by the time this episode goes up, it might have actually officially launched, um, but as of the recording, uh, it is still in beta, but you can check it out. You can get the first month for free. After that, it's $4.99 a month, and so it is a, a streaming service uh, for Christians that I think uh, that would enjoy this show. Um, Christians who are willing to think a little bit deeper about their faith and dig into apologetics and that sort of thing. So, and I was looking at it today and I actually just noticed that, uh, and I don't know if they just introduced it or I only just noticed it, they actually have a live stream on top of uh, picking the things that uh, that you want to watch. Uh, there's also just, you can turn it on like a, this fascinates me, you can turn it on like just a regular TV channel or something like that, where they're just going to have content going, uh, I guess it, forever. Uh, and there are a lot of other streaming services that do that. And I find myself wondering why, except that I kind of found it oddly comforting, uh, that I could just like, I'm going to throw, I'm going to see what's on faith life. Well, I know what's on Faith Life, any number of things that I could choose, but the uh, the old curmudgeon in me who remembers like flipping through channels and just settling on whatever's there, uh, I found it oddly comforting. So, uh, so yeah, you can check out the, the Faith Life TV live stream. And, uh, and like I said, you can get that first month for free if you go to morethanonelesson.com and then click on the, the uh, banner ad that uh, says Faith Life TV. Okay, so... We've got, uh, as I said, we've got a lot to cover today. We're talking about comedy, and uh, it seems like kind of a, a broad discussion, but uh, it's going to get even broader because I've got a couple guys in here with me that are really going to muddy up the issue, I hope. Uh, the first is our favorite co-host, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well, and I'd like to apologize for whatever it was I did last week on the as the guest of last week's episode. Uh, yeah, I've got some theories yeah. about what might happen. I don't think I've done it yet, but I think I know what it is. And It's always something. Yeah. that's. I'm going to feel pretty good about it at the time. but Oh, right undoubtedly. Now, You'll just, have just that dumb, self-satisfied smile on your yeah, face. But right now, I'm just bathed in remorse. Sure. So. Sure. Sorry, filled everyone. With, filled with regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that was Josh Long. Thank you, Josh. Hi. Uh, oh, yeah, you're welcome. Well, no, I haven't introduced you again. Oh. I, I did that already. Hi, everyone. Oh, boy. And okay. I'm Josh. I've already said that thing about how this every time is you a say... Sh- this is an episode about comedy. We need to try to be even vaguely amusing, I guess. Um, or we could be super serious about it. Um, okay, but we do have a guest, and he's not been on the show before, but he has been over at uh, Battleship Pretension. Uh, he is... Uh, well, it's, I'm trying to think of everything that you could consider yourself to be. An actor... Sure. A writer? Yeah. Director? Uh, no. Okay. I've dabbled like okay. in once or twice. Like I directed a play in high school. How did that go? Pretty well. Okay. Uh, and then improviser, you like to improvise things. Yep. Uh, you have not you have done stand up, but it's but not often. I have done stand up as characters, but never as myself. Okay. All right. So what do we got? We got actor, writer, improviser, one-time director, and character-based stand-up comedian. Sure. Uh, I, I would actually anything? like to try regular stand-up at some point. Do you play any instruments as well or something? We can yeah, add on actually, to that? I do. Oh. I play guitar, okay. uh, didgeridoo. <laughs> um, I'm not super great on the cajon, but I do have one. Um, and I just got my gra- inherited my grandpa's accordion all right but i don't actually know how to how to play it exactly my friend cole was learning uh accordion when we were roommates it was not enjoyable mm-hmm. to live with him apparently the process of me learning didgeridoo was not enjoyable <laughs> for my roommates i could I see that is it okay oh sorry your name is kale mccann kale how you doing yeah i'm fine okay <laughs> back to this didgeridoo yeah is it is it difficult to learn how to play it? Isn't it just like blowing into it and seeing what happens? <laughs> yeah, well, sort of. You uh, buzz your lips, so it's a little bit like playing a tuba. So you have okay. kind of a loose aperture. Okay. Mm. Um, you buzz your lips, and then once you get the sound out of it, it's really just about like learning how to breathe properly. Sure. And then make various different noises, which any noise you can make with your mouth, you can make into a didgeridoo. Hmm. Like, can you say, hello, my name is Kale McCann. I am an actor and such. Uh, yeah, probably not. Yeah, basically. I mean, talking while your lips are buzzing is going to be... Sounds pretty intense. D- different. So anything sure. you but can they do actually, with your buzzing mouth, you right. can do on a didgeridoo. Right. Sure. All right. Which sounds uh, limiting, they, I must say. Well, they actually... Uh, uh, Aborigines not only was an, an instrument, but they also used it to communicate over long distances. All right. So they would actually, like play into it and then talk and then the resident because they would play on like a hollow log or something and that would shoot the sound out over mm-hmm. distances uh and they would like communicate with one another is it why did you decide to do this why did you decide on didgeridoo there are other musical instruments did you think you had learned them all well i found <laughs> one at a renaissance festival okay of obviously uh because we all know how prevalent uh, sure. aboriginal culture was <laughs> yeah. in During medieval times oh, yeah. Yeah. In the, in, oh uh, henry the eighth would just be so he'd, he'd be serenaded <laughs> by the didgeridoo there's yeah. all those rembrandt paintings of aborigines too <laughs> um eating grapes or something Anyway, uh, so I saw one. I was like, hey, when am I ever going to find a didgeridoo anywhere else again? That's a good question. And so I was like, well, I should. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. (laughs) That is also true. (laughs) So I should buy one. And the guy showed me how to blow into it. 
Now, I don't mean to discuss finances. I know it's a very personal thing, but how much does a does a didgeridoo run a person these days at a Renaissance fair? Oh, uh, well, at that time, I mean, I'm sure with inflation, it might be more. <laughs> sure. But at the time, there was like a pretty slender one that was $35 and then right. a thicker one that was $55. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll take the one for 35. He's like, but this one's much better. And I was like, but that one's 55 and that one's 35. He's like, well, I'll give you this better one for 45. Ooh. All right. So Wait, I got my I first, go. yeah, got my first bamboo didgeridoo for $45. First, yeah. Your first. Yeah. Does that mean you, you have several since then, or, or do you plan to build a collection? No, I have. I That was in college, so I have since accrued more didgeridoos. How really? Many, how many didgeridoos do you have? Uh, let's see. I've got the bamboo one. I have a eucalyptus one. I think it's eucalyptus. I have um, another one of some unknown wooden origin that's like at home i sort of borrowed it from a friend and never returned it so you had a I friend had a... who had who also had a didgeridoo <laughs> yeah well a lot of like percussionists also played oh, okay, okay. so it's not super duper uncommon okay because uh, it's also like even though it's a wind instrument it's usually used as a wind as a um rhythm okay or percussion, not percussion, because you're not beating on it, but like a rhythm instrument. They have to be made of wood, I would assume, right? You can't have a stainless steel didgeridoo. Um, uh, you would get a different sound. You could have, uh, there are PVC pipe didgeridoos. In fact, I the other one I have is like a fiberglass PVC-ish kind of a thing. And that one actually changes keys. So it's like a, tr uh, like a trombone didgeridoo. So you can oh, really? actually slide it to make it uh, different lengths, which give it a different key. That is... I had no idea such a thing existed. Why would you? I, I mean, I, this I don't is, know. This is very exciting because <laughs> I almost want to throw out the topic and just say, look, we're talking about one thing today, and that is didgeridoos. Um, yeah. And the people that didgeridoo that. <laughs> hey, watch out. That is, Bring it back. That is comedy. Theoretically, um, but uh, no, this is boy. I I was not expecting to talk about that. How could I possibly have expected that? I, it's not a thing that I'm uh, really that familiar with. Is the world? Is there a whole subculture of didgeridoos? I think you'd probably find one or two in any given drum circle. Hmm. Oh boy. Well, all right. As if that's I didn't a, that's have the sort enough of place you hang out. <laughs> yeah. As if I didn't have enough reason to avoid them. What do you call somebody who plays the didgeridoo? Didgeridooer? Didgeridooist? Uh, probably one of those, <laughs> sure. I imagine. Oddly enough, they never came up with a word for it because people did not want to admit publicly that they played them. Uh, until now, uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to make fun of these it choices. Seems like you're doing it very deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it mean is, to make fun of your stupid instrument. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying it's a big waste of money and time. Uh, but who am I to? Hey, I've got a wall full of Riddlers. You know, and you can't play any of those. You can play with them. Yeah. Though I don't have any Batman. Uh, it was true. just the Riddler fighting himself, I guess. From multi, like from the multiverse. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. sure. Absolutely. You got your Frank Gorshin versus your Jim Carrey versus But these your, are all in packages. So yeah, you can't, so they really can't play fight each other. Unless you're There's just like some clacking the boxes together. <laughs> yeah, I probably should take some of them out of the packages. Some of them I will not. That one's from Asia. I'm not taking that one out of the package, as you can see. Um, but a few others, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, this is riveting podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's visual. On see, I like to pivot. So, okay. What so, else is in the room? Now, let, let me. Okay. I want to make sure. So we've around. got, we've got Kale's didgeridoos. 
We've got my Riddlers. Now it's just a matter of time before <laughs> we circle around to Josh's collection. Now, Josh, what what have you collected in the past? I, there's nothing what? that comes to mind. Why would it? <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just. What have you collected, Josh? Um, uh, just great friends, you know. And, sure. Uh, and, Ultimate uh, frisbee injuries. <laughs> that's true. That is a growing collection. Yes. Um, yeah. I had a guy kind of tackle me today. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know why he did that, because I had the Frisbee already. Maybe he didn't want you to have the Frisbee. Well, that Maybe might be, but it, the it didn't work. Okay. Um, Look, I'm tired of beating around the bush. You collected, you know what? I almost said snow globes. Too interesting. Mm. Paperweights is what you collected. Yeah. Kale, did you know that you, because you guys have known each other uh, much longer than I have known uh, you, Kale, and um, did you... Kale, know that you were hanging out with someone who collected paperweights. There's a chance I knew it and forgot it because I don't have a very good memory. There's also a very good chance that you didn't know it because it's not the sort of thing that uh, people are at all interested in uh, having conversations about. Um, Yeah. But I sure did. I don't have them any. Well, I guess they're all probably my parents' house somewhere, but I don't have them here with me. So it's not an active collection. No, you're not pursuing. I'd, the, the I'd say it's a, it's, I've retired the collection. It's, yeah. Whereas no, it's you're, dead. you are continually accruing new Riddlers. That's right. And I do play the didgeridoo, even sometimes at church. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Not just church? like at church panhandling, but like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. part of the worship team. <laughs> you got, you got in your the hat middle in front of the of service. You, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So which church? I forget which church do you attend? Ecclesia. Ecclesia here in Los Angeles. Note to self: never go to Ecclesia. <laughs> um, I don't know why. It's uh, why do you hate that <laughs> instrument so much? It's know. actually pretty. There's it's the nothing. oldest instrument in the world. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's just uh, it's always fun to make fun of people's hobbies, including my own. But you know what? Here's what I'll say, and okay. I think I I don't remember if I texted you a photo, Josh. Um, I was interviewing our friend uh, Corbin Burnson okay. uh, for a paper, and so I went to his office, and he has an entire room filled with shelves of paperweights does he really he does it's like for some people it's a huge thing like i thought they were cool and i'd put them in the window and like oh, that's probably not I the mean, word to use <laughs> maybe it's not right but it's like hey, you put it in the window in the light you know if they've got colors in them or whatever it's like all right sure but uh then at one point somebody got me a book of like a bunch of different ones that had been like cataloged and stuff like that. <laughs> and even me as the person who was collecting them at the time was like, why, why do you, why would anyone want this? I don't understand why this book exists. But, and uh, that's when you stop. That's when your love of paperweights <laughs> died. I, I don't think quite. I think once they filled up my windowsill, then I was like, I don't know where to put the rest of them. Yeah. That On top is of the papers. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you have any papers that need to be weighted down? Well, there was a wind just blowing in the window yeah. all the time and papers going everywhere. And I just never put two and two together. I'm reminded of, uh, there was a Simpsons episode where, I think it was the, I think it was like a chili cook off or something like that. But Marge was, had put together like these seashell necklaces and she was trying to sell them, but nobody was buying them. And so she's, uh, talking to this guy and says, and in in a way that just makes you want to hug Marge, she doesn't exist, but, uh, she goes, she goes, your son or daughter will think this seashell necklace is really cool. And he's like, 
I doubt my son or daughter is that stupid. <laughs> and uh, that's, what, that's what I'm reminded. If any of us in this room said, oh, no, this collection of mine is really cool. Uh, that's how I would feel is just very out of touch with the whole of humanity, I would say. But uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, and all this came about because you are a musician. You play all kinds of things. And uh, I'm like, sorry, uh, like a few kinds of things. <laughs> All kinds. I assume from didgeridoo, you can go into a trumpet or uh, or a tuba. You said you do maybe, the same thing with your maybe lips. Maybe a tuba. I've okay. never tried to you play try a tuba. It. Let's get let's get a, t- a tuba for Kale. I have one in my closet. What? I have like eight of them. Performance oh, I should have led with that. I, I own several tubas as well. <laughs> he collects tubas, but he doesn't play them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so okay. I feel like uh, you delivered that like a Marx brother. They collect it. What is that? He doesn't play it. <laughs> and it's not actually a joke, uh, but if you deliver it with the right cadence, it works. Um, so okay. So Kale, where are you from originally? The South. The South. Okay. Now whereabouts in, in the general? South? So I was born in Oklahoma. Okay. Then from there, North Carolina. Okay. From there, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Then to South Carolina, where my family currently is. Then I did college in Tennessee grad school in virginia and now i am here all right mm. lee yes okay correct I, I think i knew that from before i couldn't remember but so we went to college like 30 minutes away from each other oh my gosh were you rivals not particularly no, are you rivals now if, now yeah you are for, for my sure. affection yeah uh just letting <laughs> you know that you can you can have it if you want so, thanks. <laughs> all right well if this is what it looks like i will just make fun of you <laughs> maybe that's why josh gave it up so quickly um so okay uh now, we are going to be having a larger discussion about comedy and and the where it intersects with Christianity, and not that it does very often, but um, unless people are making fun of Christianity, which we'll get to in a There's moment. There's those but, church signs, too, you know? Oh, boy. That's, oh, my gosh. I think that's the clearest intersection of comedy and, and yeah. church is the signs. Mm-hmm. Oh, little known fact, at church is the highest paid staff member is the guy that comes up with those church signs, because that's what brings people in. <laughs> Oh, He's sitting boy. in a room filled with papers like, I got it. I need one for this week. <laughs> He's just, scrib- just scribbling it out like the end of Amadeus. Um, so, okay. His wife's trying to bring him food. Like, you gotta <laughs> eat, Frank. <laughs> My mom did that job at a church for a little while. Uh, but then they asked her not to do it anymore when she accidentally made a drug reference. Like, she didn't realize that, <laughs> that what she had said was also... I think she referred to something as pink elephant. I don't, I don't remember, but... Um, Anyway, Pink but they were like, oh, don't a... you know that's a oh, okay. something about, you're talking about drug use. She's like, I know how. <laughs> Jesus can be the bath salts in your life. <laughs> well, and the, of course, the worst thing, this, this time of year is the worst time of year for church signs because it's hot out. Oh, no. If you can't take the heat, stay out of hell. Yeah, something like that. It's like, oh, if this is, if, the, if you think this is hot, don't miss heaven. It's like, all right, okay, I don't have the energy for this. Um, I wish one of them just said, like here in California, if one of them just said, if you think it's hot here, check the temperatures in Las Vegas. Just no church reference whatsoever. Yeah. At least it's not humid. It says that. Dry heat. Everyone's driving by, they're like, I I guess that's true, yeah. You know what? Check out the service. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, they clearly say truth here. (laughs) These Christians have got it together. Cheered me up a bit. Um, So, okay. So you you came out to Los Angeles uh, how long ago? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. July 4th of 2006. So you decided to celebrate our country's birth 
by coming out to Los Angeles. Yeah, I came out for a writing program okay. called Act One. Act One. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I know a surprising number of people that have uh, gone through the Act One mm-hmm. program, and uh, you'd think I would have a better idea of what it is. I do not. Uh, but that is not for you guys to define. That is for me to look into, which I likely won't. <laughs> but, um, but sorry. Uh, all right. <laughs> That's a real thing. I don't have any energy. All right. I'm busy. Uh, so okay. So you came out here and. You came in here to pursue writing exclusively or performing as well or just, just kind of entertainment in general entertainment all around yeah all right i so, feel like at the core of myself i am more of an entertainer okay. than like a, just a general entertainer than anything else hmm and that's entertainment entertainer as opposed to artist which i think those are hmm. pretty distinct things all right i mean there is a there is a network that would uh, disagree um a and E, it's arts and entertainment. Sure, but yeah. I guess it does say and, yeah. uh, implying they're two, two separate things. Yeah, separate yeah. Things. okay, fair enough. Um, and if you want to know why, I think it's pretty smart. Um, <laughs> okay. That entertainers, like, are still, can do something artistically, but their work isn't finished until it's shared. Like, they create for, mm. specifically for an audience, um, whereas an artist will create just for himself. So okay. like an or artist herself or herself. Oh, here we Careful. go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Themselves. Um, an artist will create something and then it's done, but then an entertainer will create something, but it's not finished until someone sees it. Interesting. I'm trying to think if I agree with that or enjoys it. You should. I do think. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Let's be over here being wrong when I think, when I say that I think art, is, the nature of art is, is communicative. Um, that's my, but I guess that's the thing is maybe it has to do with the artist is says I have, it starts with them. Like I have a message to communicate and I would like someone to hear it. Whereas I do think maybe an entertainment and an entertainer says like, what, what do you, do you see? want? What do you like? I can do that. Um, I don't know about that. Not pandering, not nothing well, like, like that. Because but. I think an entertainer is like, well, this is what I think is funny. If I think it's funny, so will somebody else. Or if I think this is interesting, so right. will somebody else. Like, so even if the audience is kind of only themselves. Whereas I don't think an entertainer will create something if no one's going to see it. Whereas an artist, I believe, will paint even if no one sees the art or write something, even if no one else reads it. Like, yeah. they do it for their own self, like, to get something out. Yeah, no one, so what you're saying, no one will create entertainment to try to work through something in themselves. Right, like, uh, no one's I guess gonna, they could, but it'd be an odd issue, I think. Right, like, I think that if, if they know, hey, no one will ever see this thing that you're creating, then they most likely would just be like, oh, well, then I'll just do something else hmm. whereas an artist will be like well that's fine okay well this is this is actually very helpful because so you are an entertainer you are not an artist correct in fact to my own detriment sometimes like sometimes i will just say an idea that i have and then people are like oh that's a good idea and then i feel like it served its purpose and i never actually <laughs> finish right yeah <laughs> i never actually finish or complete that idea now Obviously, we know my next question is going to be, do you consider yourself an entertainer in every respect or do you consider yourself an artist in certain respects as a writer or a performer or perhaps a didgeridoo player? Didgeridooer. Didgeridooer. Pardon me. Thank you, Josh. We are coining that phrase now. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you, 
are there are there moments where you feel like oh you know what there is something in me that I do want to get out and I do want people to engage with on a, on a certain level. And I don't mean to, to downplay entertainment. It's incredibly important, of course, but, uh, does that ever, ever come up inside you? Um, I think even if, when I am just trying to work something out, like if I write a song or like poetry or whatever, that's not comedic or Mm -hmm. necessarily meant for entertainment, but is like, personal to me like i still have a strong desire to show people right so that they can agree or disagree or just know me better or whatever um so yeah i don't know that there's anything that i would do like that's just for me and never for anybody else sometimes i'll play my guitar by myself just because it's something to do sure but Hmm. You know, and it does, it brings up a, a whole, a whole different topic that we won't be uh, tackling here, but just the idea of one of the things that has always bothered me is when people are dismissive of the idea of, oh, that often in regards to a kid, like, oh, he just needs it. He just wants attention. And it's like, okay, well, that might be true, but is that such a terrible thing? Like, if they're doing bad things for that, okay, that's different. But is it such a terrible thing to want people to look at you and listen to you and maybe even validate you? And is that something that everybody who goes into the arts or entertainment, is that an instinct that everybody wants? I mean, you do hear about actors and stuff that nonetheless still want want to live a private life. Um, but that's pretty rare. And so it is something that I would like to talk to various people about and get their take on. Like, is this, is, is art and entertainment just a plea for attention? And I say that as somebody who has two podcasts and had three at some point, like <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not judging anybody here because because I'm, this is just me. Like I'm not even creating anything. Uh, it's just, just a bunch You're of creating a space. Mm-hmm. Is it a safe space? Sure. Well, no, because you, you yeah, guys have been so. pretty rude <laughs> yeah. this whole time. <laughs> You're um, creating like noises with your mouth that can be interpreted as speech. That's creation. Hmm. Let me think if I can make a noise with my mouth. I okay. I'm not going to do that. You're doing I was gonna, it. I was You're good. doing it now. Language. Does it does it count as does it count um, as a noise if everybody knows what it is I am doing and they all understand it uniformly? I, I think anything that makes a sound is a noise. Hmm. Or it is by definition, by definition, is a noise something that is just unintelligible and random. I think in certain contexts, yeah, it is. But that's a noise. What does that mean, Kale? When I do this, what do you think I mean? Um, uh, open that, please. <laughs> okay, Josh. I'm gonna say uh, I'm dying inside. Oh, see, all right, <laughs> then that is a noise. That is not. Uh, a bit of language. Um, and uh, incidentally, Josh, you are right. Oh, wow. So, um, gold star over here. Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, so, this has been kind of bouncing around a little bit, but it, it, but it actually has brought up some questions that I find very interesting. But uh, we're going to move, because in talking about entertainment, uh, we're going to move into what I think is an art form, but is often... No, I won't say dismissed as entertainment because often it is just entertainment. Uh, and even, I don't even like saying just entertainment. I also don't like that. Okay. Yeah, it is. Cause I think entertainment can be artful. 
Okay, yes, artistic. Okay. okay, then okay, then I will not. I won't separate the two. So I will call it an there art form. There is an art to entertainment. Indeed. I would say. Yeah. Um, and so what I will say is that because uh, we're talking about comedy, because that is your preferred. Uh, I don't even know what to call it because. I have a hard time calling it a genre because it isn't a genre a because medium? there's no a medium. Um, and I guess that is true because you're, you are interested in all things comedy, not even just comedy film, uh, stage performances, like anything that's comedic is something that you're interested in. So we will stick with, with medium, but it's something that I know that Josh, you are also, uh, maybe not exclusively interested in, but I know that the films you've made, the web series that you've made, uh, are comedy based you don't feel particularly passionate about making a kitchen sink drama um even if you occasionally respond to those types of movies but mm -hmm. um oh and you're specifically referring to a drama that would take place in a kitchen sink like in a honey i shrunk the kids exactly yeah. which is weird because it's at, that would be very funny but not i don't for think long. so <laughs> not when dad starts drinking yeah yeah um so uh, it's like long day's journey into night, except it all takes place in a sink, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no one references um, the abyss in the middle that is the disposal. And Mary Tyrone gets closer and closer to the abyss as the as the play goes on. Um, Where does she get the morphine? In a kitchen sink. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm yeah, gonna really, this just really run with it. I think we've hit on something here that's, for you. That if, if that's not L.A. theater, I don't know what is. Oh, sure. Sure. You said, you said that with a great deal of scorn. <laughs> Can you not imagine going into some kind of theater in L.A. and they've built a giant kitchen sink that's a set and you're like, oh, that's what they're that's what they're doing. If in the program it said that they were making that this was like a, an anti-Republican statement, then I yeah, there'd it. be that too. And then like the uh, the parents in the play would be like thirty years old each, something like that. I could see that. Yes. And then you so too with the children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. The difference between age difference is like five years between the kids. Yeah. And the, they were like, we couldn't find any people over forty in LA who still wanted to act. <laughs> <laughs> or that we're even mildly interested in this, <laughs> in this production. Um, but one thing I know about you, Josh, is that uh, when it comes to TV, like you recently mentioned uh, to me that you just started watching Game of Thrones, which surprised me because e even with TV, you tend to stay away from drama and you just lean towards comedy almost exclusively. It's so hard for me to get invested in in drama TV. Like the only reason I'm watching the Game of Thrones stuff now is because I have friends who are watching it and I enjoy the friends that I hang out with. And like, it's not a bad show. There's, you know, yeah. that's cool interesting. I'm sort of the opposite. Like, really, I have a hard time following a sitcom like or any sort of like comedy. Like occasionally, like I've seen a lot of Veep and mm -hmm. like things that I am able to binge watch then I sometimes will. But like there's nothing that I will like. Uh, I don't know. I don't really pursue them. Like, so Silicon Valley and Veep are basically mm -hmm. the only comedies that I've sort of stuck with, but mostly I'm watching like, you know, the Marvel TV stuff or sure. like, uh, I don't know. House of Cards. Uh, yes. House of Cards. House Indeed. Of cards. I, That's one I've seen. The game of cards of or House of Thrones. Game of Cards, House of Thrones. <laughs> Yeah, Game of Cards is actually a pretty boring <laughs> show, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just top down of a tabletop. It's, and it's like, just oh. Uno. Everyone's just playing Uno. Um, <laughs> it is a game of cards. 
So truly, uh, this has been a game of cards. <laughs> That's the next time any of us play a card game, we will end with that. <laughs> truly, verily, I say. Um, so what? Uh, so this is any. So at this point, though, Kale is officially uh, our guest. This is a question for either of you. What is it about comedy specifically? that attracts you to it both as a, a consumer but also as a creator it's funnier <laughs> well that is true yes although not always because sometimes no, comedies aren't funny and sometimes dramas are much funnier than they should be yeah i i do enjoy uh drama that's not supposed to be funny but is yeah and uh, like the room like the room absolutely um yeah um, it's uh i mean i can't think of anybody that doesn't like comedy right well even people who like you, you would agree don't have a sense of humor or a good sense of humor right find something funny they still they like just to laugh don't, at something yeah they still like to laugh they just don't yeah. find very many they don't there's not a variety of things that make them laugh right um so uh so yeah do you my know my answer to the question okay, yeah <laughs> yeah josh hasn't given us any do you have a, okay, we'll throw it yeah. to you. uh i would say that um part of the appeal is like you're more likable if you're funny so mm. like that's like it's a pretty common sort of like defense mechanism for like unathletic kids i mean not that athletic kids can't be funny i know plenty of sporty people who are super funny but like mm -hmm. uh but it can be like a defense mechanism growing up or just a way to make friends like when you're the kind of person sure. who just wants to be liked like if you're the kind of person who just wants to be liked i wouldn't be like you know hamlet or anything you know? <laughs> right um Maybe if I'm mopey, yeah. people will just be drawn to me. Yeah. Hey, what's that guy so mopey about? He's so mopey I better find out. So <laughs> enigmatic. <laughs> That's a mood I want to be around all the time. <laughs> um, so there's that. Then there's also the idea that comedy um, is life-giving in that it like um, it promotes life. Yeah. Um, even when it's about death, it's still like you know more of a comment on um like dealing with death from a living perspective you know mm. um so i think that's good like you know as the the ancient scriptures i mean the holy scriptures which are also ancient sure say uh laughter is the best medicine so i think it's like can also be a very healing oh. thing if it's not you know destructive <laughs> Which it can also be. I uh, so I recently traveled to Missouri uh, because my old uh, high school theater teacher was. I think you mean Missouri. Uh, you know what? You're probably right. Uh, in that particular area, yes, you are correct, Missouri. Um, and so, uh, my old uh, theater teacher was retiring, and so we were having a big uh, surprise party for him that was also a roast, and so. Uh, so I was one of the speakers for that, and it was a lot of fun. What? That always seems like a bad idea. I would say that easily 85% of the speakers were solid. 
Yeah. Like were really, really good. Um, I was a little iffy on like, well, what am I going to do? I was like, maybe I'll just play it completely sincere and it'll be fine. And I thought like, oh no, I know what I'll do. I will show up as I, Kale, I think I was telling you about this because I think I, you and I had coffee the day before I left. Um, I would go up as the, the guy who thinks he's better than everybody else. Cause I live in, I live in LA now and I just perpetually say like, you know, um, what is it? You know, while you guys were tilling the field or whatever it is you were doing, I was in Hollywood interviewing celebrities. You may not have heard of them, uh, but that's your fault. Not everybody can be in Fast and Furious. I'm trying to think. And then some people want to be artists. You know, art, that thing that you all aspire to before you graduated high school and then decided to work at a dentist's office the rest of your life. Um, So stuff like that. Uh, But there there was a moment, and it was... I wasn't sure how the joke was going to be taken. So there are a couple people in the theater department, and then this this teacher also did the TV, was part of the TV video department. And there are a couple people um, that I knew that I was friends with that have passed away. And I thought like, all right, if this is a roast, and this is going to be a, a certain type of humor, and because these were friends of mine, good friends of mine, um, I felt like it would be okay to make a joke, but not necessarily at their expense. But essentially what I was talking about was how there are a lot of speakers and everyone's just going to drone on and on. And then I said, you know, I'm starting to think maybe Jared Neff and Willie Gold really dodged a bullet here. You know, wherever they are, at least they're not in humid, uh, sorry, uh, at least they're not in humid Missouri in mid-August. And I knew that was going to be, that might not be greeted super well. Uh, and it was about half and half. Um, somebody yelled too soon. I think they were joking. Uh, I hope so. Uh, cause like that was years ago. Come on people. Uh, and then somebody afterwards said that they were, uh, they seemed like playfully mad, but I think they were actually mad cause they were very close with this guy, Jared mm-hmm. and, and Jared was a, it was a friend of mine and, and this guy, Willie was a very good friend of mine and I felt very bad when they passed away. Um, but she's like, you know, why, why would you make a joke like that? And I said, like, because it's how you deal with that. It's how it's, it's not the only way I deal with things, but it is a way to deal with things. And by the way, like if I hadn't have made those jokes, nobody would have invoked those people. And they were, they were important. They were an important part of our lives. They're an important part of the department. And this was meant to be a fun, upbeat evening. And so I tried to find a way to bring them into it in a way that they probably would have appreciated. Um, and then I said kind of my standard thing. Sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. And uh, th- that is something I firmly believe. But I have, Josh, you can attest to this. I've gotten in trouble from time to time making making certain types of jokes. And in, I should say that the, the the woman that was frustrated with me is, is a very uh, strong and, and devout Christian. And I have gotten in a fair amount of trouble with Christians because I have made jokes. In some cases, they're a bit uh, uh, vulgar. And in other cases, they're just very dark. And... I don't know. I do think that there is a, I'm sorry, I wound up talking way longer than I anticipated. I apologize. Um, but I do think that there is a, 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 a very great value to humor um, as a, not even a coping mechanism, but just making life worthwhile. Because if it's not, if, if it's not that, and if we can't find something funny in something, in things that are not at all funny, 
by their nature, then like, I feel like we'll, we just get crushed by, uh, by the sadness and tragedy of life. But that's my own uh, opinion. Your thoughts on these things. I've been talking too long. I apologize as he continues. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what did you want me to do? It's, uh, it's, you should I, just I, cut it off there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I talked too long. I'm going to talk too long. Yeah, and then be done. And then we're just left Josh, to try and guess what happens uh, next. Josh, you're like, a co-host. You, you take uh, it for a while. I'm taking over the podcast, <laughs> and it's about something else now. Uh, what, what do you want uh, to talk about? Uh, fire trucks. <laughs> uh, right, fire trucks are really great. Um, fire trucks no. are really great. <laughs> vamp. Vamp. Um no, I think I, I think there's some. I, I definitely think there's validity to that, and that actually makes me think of two. Uh, there's two movies that I always think of when I think of like why do comedy or why you know make comedy, um, and both of them I think are filmmakers who are wrestling with that specific idea. One of them is uh, Preston Sturgis in Sullivan's Travels, and the other one is Woody Allen in Stardust Memories, mm-hmm. and they're both movies about people who who feel like they have to make an important film. Right. Um, I think for Sturges, I think his was maybe more of a reaction to people who thought that he, who didn't take his film seriously or just thought that his films weren't, you know, thought of them as like fluff or something. And Woody Allen was, his was more personal that he felt like he personally felt like he couldn't make just comedies anymore. because they didn't seem important enough, which is interesting to come coming from somebody who's, his favorite filmmaker is Ingmar Bergman, who right. didn't have a funny bone in his body. I don't think. Um, I shouldn't say that he made he had some... no elbows. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange man. Everything was just straight arms. Oh, he got so much work playing mummies. <laughs> uh, but that's not really true. He did. He did make some comedies earlier in his career, but they're not certainly not Woody Allen type of comedy. Right. Um, but both of those films kind of come to the conclusion that uh, comedy is very important for for us as a society and for people like it's, it's too serious out there without comedy. And, um, both of them kind of come to the conclusion like this is, this is a good thing to do. And there's a reason that I do this. And, and there are people that I'm helping in doing this. So there's no reason to act like it's not serious. And it's, uh, and I feel like actors often, uh, I think younger actors run across this. I I certainly know that, uh, that I did when I was in high school, this idea that, oh no, no, I, yeah, it's, it's fun being in the comedy, but I feel like I want to do something real, you know, almost the art versus Mm -hmm. entertainment attitude. Uh, and then, and it, and it does in the moment feel like you're exploring something, you know, real, but then comedies are so much more enjoyable. The audience, I think is probably more engaged by them. Maybe not in, in a, in the same way, certainly not in the same way, but I do think that it's, there's a reason that comedies tend to, uh, in like in my old theater department, uh, comedies and musicals made, a brought a lot more people in than the, uh, than the Thornton Wilder plays we did. But, um, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of comedy in those, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I guess there are so many different forms of comedy and so many different, I will say styles of comedy. Um, what is, what is your preference? Once again, either as a viewer or as a creator, Kale, I'll go to you. Like, and, and I guess if, if you want to, as, as Josh just did, if you want to talk about like certain movies that might have impacted you, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. 
Uh, hmm. I think um, as far as things that like influence my writing style, I'd probably say uh, Tom Stoppard had hmm. like something to do with that. And he, he had, um, well, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but then there was also another shorter one. I can't really remember. I just remember really liking it. Like, just the way he used words mm-hmm. uh, in kind of a really playful way and the way things kind of flowed in and out of one another. Um, but uh, the things that I enjoy watching, like, I really liked... Um, I really liked Arrested Development, but I only liked it in in bulk. Like, I, sure. I couldn't watch it one episode at a time. Like I lost interest and I didn't. Th- but then when you could see the thread of comedy, like no. the, the jokes, the running gags or whatever, um, then became really smart. I particularly like jokes because I think, well, if I can uh, play the top of my right at the top of my intelligence, then it'll hit somebody else at the top of theirs. No. And even if nobody else gets it, they're going to really like it. And especially if nobody else gets it, they'll laugh even harder like they appreciate it even more uh like when i watch uh, mystery science theater 3000 or they make a and they make a some cultural reference that nobody else gets that i happen to and i'm like oh well and then i'll laugh really hard but then of course there are other ones that i i don't get it's like (laughs) people are laughing really hard like then that's the the quality of the laugh versus the uh volume of the laughing and there's an extra layer to to a laugh like that where it is this is funny but there's also a certain laugh of recognition which is usually not a laugh i like if it's the only laugh Mm -hmm. but it's it can be a laugh of like i didn't know anybody else knew about that yeah that's so exciting so yeah i think it's uh, almost like a relief so it's like a relief laugh like oh good i'm not the only one (laughs) (laughs) i felt so very alone Uh, (laughs) and and laughter just in general is a very communal I think is meant to be a communal experience. Sure. Like uh, there have been numerous in- instances where I would see a movie in the theater and I would think of it as a very, a very funny movie uh, because the crowd was, was laughing. And then when I revisited it, I thought like, this is not very good <laughs> at all. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw meet the parents in, in a, in a packed theater and everyone was laughing and I was laughing too. And I thought like, man, that is just a really funny movie. I watched it again. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, this is not as funny as I thought it was. I think I just enjoyed yeah. unconsciously just being part of this crowd and being mm. part of this community. And people yeah. do kind of do that naturally. I think like that's, that's why YouTube works the way it does. Like nobody sees a funny YouTube video and they're like, hmm, that's, that's over. And we're going to think about that again. It's like, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to share this with somebody. Yeah. It was funny. Or you want to yeah. show it to somebody else or something. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's an inherent human thing is to want to share Unless, things. of course, you're uh, mildly fearsome. Films. <laughs> and then people will watch it and be like, that's really good. And then that's the last, <laughs> that's the last we ever hear from that person. <laughs> I, uh, I have brought, uh, I hate it into the battleship pretension, uh, family. And we always post videos and share them wherever oh. we can. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. So you're welcome. <laughs> I like to I like to say you're welcome in an aggressive way, <laughs> as if to say, why didn't you thank me sooner? Accusational. <laughs> um, so you want the other person to be like, am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe you're repelling me right now. I'm not welcome. Um, so 
again, like there's, it is such a, it is such a large topic and I don't think we're going to uh, solve it. Not that it's anything that necessarily needs to be solved. People have been talking about comedy, what makes, what makes us laugh for so long. Um, Sorry, I'm going to pause just for two seconds to say, the way I said it made it sound kind of pretentious. I don't only like highbrow stuff. I also think very lowbrow things are funny. (laughs) I also think that you can do lowbrow things in an intelligent way. Absolutely. And then those things are also pretty funny. Like, there are some particular types of humor that I don't, or topics of humor that I don't find super funny, but most of them, if done right, I do. Yeah. I am kind of with you, though, that, like... a joke that's funnier to more people is not necessarily better. I mean, then then you can kind of fall into just playing to the lowest common denominator. Right. Yeah. That's when you get like fart jokes because everybody's right. kind of on the same, uh, on the same level when it comes to fart jokes. I don't uh, think my writing partner who likes for lots of people to laugh does not like fart jokes well. or anything to do with, uh, a person's physical body. You should try and pitch a lot more of those. You'd be like, yeah. everybody thinks everybody it's loves funny. these. Everybody laughs, laughs at them. Even children. <laughs> Especially, Especially children. children. <laughs> oh, jinx. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't want you to talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, what is the rule with jinx? I forget. How do I, do I have to say your name? Is that the deal? It or depends you... on where you grew up, I okay. think, and probably how old you are even. Sometimes okay. it's uh, that you have to buy the other person a, a soft drink of some kind. That oh, was one of okay. them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, you just have to say their name. Sometimes you have to say their name three times. Sometimes somebody else can say the name or sometimes it just has to be you. There's no, I was talking with Megan about this <laughs> the other day. There are so many things that are like childhood things that we all agreed on, but there was no set of rules. Like we were talking about punch buggies I and mean, there were oh, rules. Sure. Like you could say no punch bags, but yeah. why did anyone follow that rule? And the fact that you say punch buggy and, and you not just slug get to, bug well, is uh, off-putting. Is that a different thing than? It's the same thing, uh, but yeah. it's slug bug, you know. Yeah. But like the fact that you also just get to hit somebody because you saw a thing, like it's pretty. We great. all agreed on that for some reason, and no, no one asked any questions. Well, children are always looking for the opportunity to hurt each other. That's true. And uh, hey, there's a Volkswagen. That works. I can make that work. I think uh, being a sociopath as I am. <laughs> I think what I wonder about is less that children wanted to hit each other because that seems pretty natural, but that other children were like, well, he did see a, mm. uh, a Volkswagen. So I, I guess point taken. Yeah. Um, did he forget to say no punchbacks? No, he, he said it. So I just have to sit here and with my hurt arm and yeah, I guess I'll just, uh, and I, Oh, I, and I pray that I see a, a Volkswagen bug because yeah. then the shoes on the other. Fo- oh, he got me again, and I can't punch him. You had to say the color too. Did yours? You have to do that? Uh, no, this was just good old slug bug. Just who cares? Yeah. Let's just start punching each other. You have you know what we're talking about, right? Because you haven't said anything, and I'm not sure if this is something that you're yeah. like, I have no idea idea what you guys are talking about. Am I still jinxed? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kill, 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 kill. There we go. That and thank a you. Lot like kill, kill, kill. <laughs> kill. Well, who said that? Um, yeah, no, I'm familiar. Okay. Was, was also the one thing where you like touch your finger and thumb together. And if somebody looks at it, you can, yeah, hit them. you can punch them. Yeah. I did not hear about that until like, until I moved to Missouri, I think. I, uh, so California and Colorado were just maybe the people that I hung out with. I had not heard of that until, uh, I was 16 or 17. It's very strange. Like, I don't think I saw oh, people. you looked at something. 
Yeah. Something that would absolutely draw your eye. Joke's on you. <laughs> I don't stupid. know. I, yeah, <laughs> you're so kind stupid. Of jerk. <laughs> like you're punishing people for being observant. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, what's that? Oh, yeah, okay. Mm. I'm just going to stare straight ahead for the rest of my life. What do you think? Yeah, try and look at the floor. Uh, that, you know what? That and then that is... person dies in a horrible car accident because <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't check their blind spot. And you know what actually hit him? Volkswagen bug. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I do think that I have I have known people that uh, that are very high minded about comedy and what they find funny and often what they find funny is funny, but they 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 brought like a whole bunch of theory into comedy and while there is plenty of comedic theory, but like yeah, but now you're you seem to be choosing to limit yourself. There is stuff I find funny and stuff I don't find funny. I'm willing to branch out and I'm willing to to figure out why something is funny. But at the same time, it was like, no, I refuse to find anything. Like, I tend not to enjoy scatological humor. But if you do it right, like, for example, uh, there's a, a very big diarrhea scene in Bridesmaids. And when you have angry Melissa McCarthy describing what's happening, it's funny or at least I find it funny because I think Melissa McCarthy is a, a, a comedic treasure. Um, Just a delight. I think she is a delight, and I think I think she think she's very talented. But um, but yeah, and so for someone to say no, I would never. If someone says I don't find that funny, I get it. But if someone says I would never find that funny, ugh. That's gross. That is a person who has made it clear, I am better, if you find it funny, then I just, I do not understand who you are and and why I'm hanging out with someone so low. That's my view of uh, certain comedy snobs. But they are there uh, in film school. I don't know, did you, you went to film school. Mm -hmm. Did you go to a film school or did you go to, uh, like what was your major in, in college? Communications. Communications, okay. Though I regret it and wish I would have majored in literally anything else. <laughs> oh. But you're communicating now. That's true. Yeah. You might not have been able to do it otherwise. That's, that's kind of how I reasoned. <laughs> like, that's yeah. how I decided to become a communications major. Could have just been all the... You, you could be here just saying... giving Just doing a bunch of clicks and noises and stuff that we were talking about earlier. And Josh and I would have no idea what you were saying. Yeah. Admittedly, it seems unlikely we would have invited you on the show, but... I mean, I'm I did speak English before going. Oh, okay. you did? Yeah. Yeah, it was okay. a mistake then. Yeah. yeah I, so, I mean, I could have majored in English. Also. That's true. Yeah, that seems a mm-hmm. bit superfluous, I think. All right, so we're going <laughs> to move on. Um, so, uh, so, I guess, because we, we do need to not wrap up, but we need to move towards kind of the last section here. Um, as I've mentioned, in my experience, Christians tend not to have a great sense of uh, humor, or at least they they are not, for a completely different reason, they close themselves off to certain things that are funny, and it tends to bother me, but then th- these Christians often come at me with... Uh, with a lot of uh, with a number of Bible verses that I can't really argue with. I mean, obviously, this is a this is how I want to live my life, and so is it more important for me to just 
find things funny or is it more important for me to be a bit more discerning in my sense of humor? So I'm going to just run through a bunch of these uh, Bible verses and then we can uh, go from there. So Ephesians 5, 4, uh, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 1 Thessalonians 4.7, for God did not call us to be an impure, but to live a holy life. That's kind of a general thing, but it's a, it certainly is uh, talked about in regard to certain types of joking. Proverbs 21.23, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Uh, let's see, Psalm 141, verse 3, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And then lastly, Matthew 12, verses 36 through 37. This, this convicts me on a number of levels. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, joking or not, most of my words are pretty empty. I feel like I don't say much that's worth listening to. I'd say maybe 10% of what I say is worth anything at all. Um, so that one, I'm just like, oh boy. Uh, Multiple podcasts out there to prove it, too. Absolutely. Though, admittedly, uh, just letting everyone know, I put it on Twitter, I put it on Facebook. More Than One Lesson is once again nominated for a podcast hey. award. It's ninth in a row. Uh, literally, every year that it's been in existence, we've been nominated. But there's no voting this time. Now it actually goes to a committee. Really? So. Everything's better when it goes to a committee. I learned that from Brazil. It's, hey, that's on my list here. Um, <laughs> hey. But uh, it is more official. If I were to win, which I still think I won't, but if I were to win, it actually means something. So We should get like an edible art basket for the guy who uh, who's deciding. Okay. People like that kind of thing, right? My, I, you know who loves it? My mom. mom. My totally. mom loves it. I'll bet there's a mom involved. <laughs> Uh, probably not. As far as I can tell, moms do not understand how podcasts oh, work. Okay, yeah. Um, it's mostly middle-aged men with glasses. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> define middle age. Are we saying mid thirties? Because I'd say that's about right. I define middle age from thirty to sixty. Oh wow. Okay. Young is zero to thirty. Thirty to sixty is middle age. Sixty okay. and above is old. So we are all middle age. Yes. Okay. My wife really doesn't like that uh, that uh, designation. She thinks that I'm very wrong about that. And probably most people do as well. Oh, I assumed you were joking. No, no, I, that's... When I think yeah. of middle age, I think of like, okay, we're halfway there. People don't live to 120. So I'll say, don't get me wrong, 30 and under, young. Yeah. And then I'll say... Th those are the people who are trustworthy. <laughs> and oh, sure, 30. absolutely. But they're also people with hearts and no brains. That's true. So, okay, enough of that. So... As you guys are writing or performing as Christians, not that you may not that the stuff you make is overtly Christian. Um, what you know, looking at these verses and looking at your own level of conviction, how do you how do you proceed? Like, do you ever? I'm I, I'm sure that there are times where a joke comes into your mind and you think, oh, hang on, is this is this okay? And then what do you do after that? Well, yeah, that's actually a pretty tricky thing. Because sometimes 
it only comes to mind because it's the worst thing to say. And it's sure. only funny because no one should ever say it. Yeah. And that's what makes it funny. Like, not the thing itself. Um, so that's kind of where you run into, like, mm-hmm. some some hiccups. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I feel like a lot of the nature of comedy is that it's unexpected. It's something that's unexpected. So right, right. somebody saying the worst thing is generally unexpected. Although there are comedians who I think... Uh, try to use that and it works against them because right. they get so over the top all the time. You're like, all right, he's going to make a rape joke now or something. Right. It's, and then they only obvious. say the worst thing and right. then they're, then they're not unexpected then it's anymore. Just the and, worst. Yeah. yeah. To the point where I believe there was, it was the roast of Bob Saget and you know, everyone's just saying all kinds of roasts these days uh, on comedy central are like super, super rough. Uh, the Norm Macdonald goes up and just does a, a bunch of like old timey dad jokes, and they're the best. <laughs> they're the best. It's like, oh, you've got a Bob Saget has, I don't know, it's like the eyes of an eagle and uh, the heart of a condor or whatever. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. That's <laughs> like, that was, it was one of his roast jokes. And it's in the midst of all this vulgarity. And when I say vulgarity, I don't, I, I often laugh at it and I often think it's funny and it can be really well structured. But his choice to go so the opposite, that was what was, was unexpected. Funnier, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so let's, okay, so let's say you, you are writing a script or you're, or you're putting something together and you realize that the joke here, okay, a, a joke has presented itself pretty organically and the joke is, what's the worst thing that could be said? That is how we could get the best possible laugh. Not even necessarily the biggest, but the best. Yeah. Like, what do you do then? Well, um... Like personally, like if it's going to be a good laugh and it's going to affect an appropriate number of people. And like I said, if I'm writing with my writing partner, we'll get into discussions about like, uh, do you think enough people will get it? I don't know. And then that's an important thing, which definitely has its is definitely a valid point of view. So I didn't mean to downplay my writing partner's uh, sensibilities anyway. um, But so we'll decide uh, well, enough people get it. Is it actually funny? If it is funny, like funny kind of wins, like best joke wins. Sure. Um, and but you also have to look at like the overall, like what are we really doing with this joke? What are we really doing with the script? Like, let's say it's a, um, I was gonna say a racist joke, but like, like things are so like uh, superheated that now I'm starting to wonder like. Um, like part of the reason why racist jokes can be funny is because racism itself is ridiculous. So yes. then you have to decide: am, am I denigrating or degrading? Am I degrading racism, or am I offering laughs for people who are actually racist who right. think that this is a like they don't get the yeah. irony of the joke; they only hear it. So am I actually spreading it, or am I helping to like? like throw some light on the abhorrence of it like that becomes like a tricky and the answer is often both yeah like archie bunker for example uh you know he was this bigoted guy and people were laughing at him but there are plenty of people like yeah this guy gets it right uh at the time and so he was a very popular character 
and a likable character, but then others absolutely saw what, who's it, Norman Lear that was, uh, did all in the family? That uh, Norman Lear was trying to do by sending up a certain type of bigotry. And so, yeah, you, you always run that risk uh, of people not getting it, and in fact, coming away with the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. Right. Um, okay, so... So, so yeah. I guess, but of course you can't be completely unnuanced. Right. So how do you, how do you proceed from there? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good question. And I guess it's sort of a case by case basis. Like what is the context of the whole thing? Like, so let's say, let's say it is a racist joke, um, or an anti-racist joke, sure. which is sort of looks like a racist joke. Sure. Um, What's the context of the joke in the conversation or in the dialogue, and what is it in the in the script? Is the script as a whole pro racist, sure. you know, or like pushing a certain agenda? Well, in that case, or if it is it, can it look like that? Well, then yeah. maybe we should tone these things back. Does it look like yeah. the writers are actually racist? Right. Well, then we should stop, um, and we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, is it going to do? Basically, do we think this is going to do? more harm than good is the laugh will the laugh be worth it yeah like the in the sort of like grand narrative of the whole thing and i guess that could be seen as one of the not a downside of comedy but certainly one of the the perils of comedy is that or to go back to i'm i'm it's it's very interesting that that you led with like art versus for lack of a better term entertainment Mm -hmm. because when you're making art with a capital A, then you can say, you can justify in your own mind, like, well, yes, I'm, we're heading in a direction that is a little bit questionable, but I'm making art, so it's absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. But when you are making, I'm being facetious here, when you're making just entertainment, it can be very difficult for the audience, uh, an audience that's, that has their guard up, mm-hmm. uh, and the artist to say, uh, is it worth it if I'm, I'm just trying, I'm merely trying to make people laugh. Now, of course, we all think that that is a very valuable pursuit, but, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I I feel like more people would be inclined to let themselves slide if they were making a a big melodrama as opposed Mm -hmm. to just another comedy. Again, I'm being facetious when I put it that way. Um, so what are some movies or TV shows that you have seen and that you love that either you question yourself and say like, Ugh, should I be laughing at that? Or you have had to justify to other people, specifically other Christians who say like, why would you ever find that funny? I'm trying to think what what some of mine are. I mean, it's almost a, South Park tends to be a big one for me. Sure, um, because that makes sense. Because that is one that it's you know as they went along, and Comedy Central just realized like oh we're just going to let these guys do whatever they want. Then like the language got a lot harsher, um, and there's a lot of scatological humor in there. There's a lot of sexual humor in there, um, but I think it is this maybe at any given point it is maybe the smartest show on TV, and when they depict something that any one of us would say is odious or stupid, um, they are doing it with a satirical purpose. 
And yeah. the more they commit, the better the satire yeah. is. And it seems obvious. Like the person yeah. saying the terrible thing is a terrible person yeah. and like that everyone agrees is terrible. And like, okay, well, if that's the viewpoint of this terrible person, then this viewpoint must be terrible or yeah. like, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's, uh, but that's one or, that, uh, well, and I remember growing up, uh, I mean, we're all roughly the same age. So I remember the Simpsons was something that, uh, yeah. in my, my parents weren't super against it. It just wasn't a thing that they sought out. Um, but at church, I do remember somebody warning against married with children the mm-hmm. Simpsons. Sure. And then of course, Beavis and Butthead. That was a big one too. Yeah. Um, and I, I have never enjoyed married with children, but I did enjoy Beavis and Butthead and the Simpsons. I, I didn't really watch the Simpsons as a kid. I wasn't, well, I wasn't really allowed to watch that one, I think, but I didn't want to watch Beavis and Butthead or married with children as a kid. So I don't know. Yeah. That, I think Beavis and Butthead kind of falls into the category of the thing that I was talking about before about people not getting it. Like, sure. I think now as an adult, if I watch Beavis and Butthead, I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. I can see where that satire is. Like, it's funny. But as a kid, it seemed like what he was doing was descriptive. Like, this is what dumb kids are doing, from Mm -hmm. what I understand. Yeah. What it came out as was prescriptive, where like kids would see it and be like, oh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be like. Yeah. (laughs) Then if this is if this is what my age group is, then I will be this. Uh, whether that was like a conscious decision or not, like I think it informed the behavior rather than like sort of like warning against it, which was not helpful at all. Yeah, I do think that as we grew up, we also we we started to view it in the larger context of who Mike Judge is. You know, he made yeah. Office Space and Idiocracy, and he made uh, Silicon Valley, and he put out some some really good intelligent stuff. And so it's like, well, wait. Like, even if you didn't like Beavis and Butthead at the time and you thought it was really stupid, if you were to think back and think, how did the guy, how is it that the guy who made this stupid show could go on to make some pretty insightful satire? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe that was satire right. too. But because it was animated, I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of kids, maybe it wasn't for kids, but they found it and we all and you know many of us watched it and thought it was hilarious and probably did not pick up on uh just how maybe like oh we're laughing at these two idiots laughing oh shoot maybe that's us that did not occur to me <laughs> right at the time but uh but yeah and now yeah now that i think about it Beavis and butthead and of course i any of us could say like oh but if you look back at those early simpsons episodes like they're so tame compared to Family Guy, compared to South Park and all these other comedies. Yeah, but at the time, it, it was, it was uh, quote-unquote, worse than the Flintstones, and that's all that mattered, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a cartoon. Kids are going to watch it, and look how yeah. disrespectful this Bart Simpson <laughs> is being. Yeah, you know? that, was what, that was what my parents' main, I think, beef with, was it, uh, with it was, was that it was uh, um, cartoons not meant for kids or cartoons being right. adult and right. like they're like well that's not there's no place for that Our <laughs> cartoons anytime a cartoon would swear and it's like oh well then this is obviously not for you obviously. yeah there's a um it's funny because there is kind of like a, a i feel like there's a societal law of diminishing returns with comedy and that talking about like people thought the simpsons was a little bit too edgy yeah and now there's stuff like 
you know, super jail or something. If you guys have seen any, no, I don't know. Some adult of the, uh, stuff. some yeah. of the adult, and I enjoy a lot of adult swim stuff. Some of it is too much for me. It's just like uber violent or yeah. like over, it's like way over the top. And I guess that's part of the joke, yeah. but, uh, some of it's just too much for me. So I'm, but I feel like that's because society as a whole, everybody has to eventually up the ante, you know, like, People say like, "Oh, we're going to be even edgier than the last one," and then that can, you know eventually happens more and more until it becomes commonplace. So, what was edgy ten years ago is not edgy anymore. So, so that leads me to a question for the two of you as you as you progress in in your careers. You know, if funny uh, starts to take on particularly edgy dimensions, uh, and you might not be able to answer this definitively, but at what point do you uh, individually, do you guys decide, oh, you know what? I think I'm not able to go morally or artistically. I'm not able to go as far as comedy seems to want to go these days. Mm. Well, I don't think mm. edgy is inherently funny. And I sure. think that's, I think that's a mistake people go to. And again, it's, it goes back to the unexpected thing. People aren't going to expect that you're going to go to the edge, you know, that yeah. you're going to be that violent or that, uh, crass or something like that. So, uh, I think that's lazy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> this is a weird way to put it, I guess, but if the culture as a whole has moved to a point where something's not necessarily shocking or taboo anymore, if it's not, if it's not, uh, advocating or promoting or depicting as good something that's bad, like right. sinful morally. Um, but it just kind of goes against a societal moray in a way that's rude or, or something like that. That I don't think that's necessarily wrong anymore. Yeah. If the, if the culture has moved to a point where that's, it doesn't offend people the way that it did. Right. Cause I think there are things that offended people about the Simpsons in the, you know, early nineties or whatever that wouldn't defend the society at large today and, and may not be immoral or, or, uh, advocating for that, which is immoral. Yeah. So in that case, or I guess in that way, I guess as society, as those kind of thing, edges or boundaries are pushed, then we kind of, even as Christians, I think, have a little more freedom. That's a little bit strange, but does that make sense? Hmm. That's interesting. Can you elaborate a bit more? Yeah. Well, so you're sort of saying like the things that would be cons- like going in reference to the verses that we read at the beginning right. or that you read at the beginning. Um, coarse language is different. Now, like we have a different, right, we have a different idea of what is coarse. We right. have a different idea of what is empty. We have yeah. a different idea of, um, you know those those types of things yeah because a lot of that sort of has to be subjective right um like in the cult like certain things are taboo in that culture that are not taboo now right yeah um so to to reference them is not you know is not strictly bad um yeah and you know it's oh go ahead i think uh, I think some of the edginess is can be helpful. I think it can. I think comedy definitely like normalizes can normalize things that are unnecessarily taboo. Mm-hmm. 
um, I think that they can like open doors for like acceptance of like people or topics, you know, um, that are at least open the, let the discussion for a thing get started. Yeah. Um, on the other side of that, it can also normalize things that should not be normalized, like that we shouldn't be accustomed to or, um, desensitized to that probably should remain like off the table. Though I think, uh, my my natural sense is that nothing is really off topic for jokes right um but i have to like sort of take a look at that and be like but is that actually true uh and it sort of becomes I, a case-by-case basis yeah that's what i think it is i don't think there's any general hard and fast rule or uh, maybe very few hard and fast rules but for the most part it's kind of a case-by-case thing because like uh something in funny in one context may not be another or may be offensive in one context, but not in another. And, right. and that's, you know, again, a case by case question. There was something. <laughs> so there's a list that the New York times put out. This could be a while ago. Bestsellers. Uh, it's a list of books. Yes. It's yeah. books that it's, people really liked. And that sort of thing just fascinated it's me. It's not actually that rare. It's not from a while ago. It's from forever. Well, you including know, right now, you know, potato, potato, but sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> or as my, my niece says, tomato, potato. <laughs> oh, that's the cutest thing in the world. That's, yeah. that's almost better. But, uh, no, there was some sort of list that they put out that was like, if you go on a date with someone and re, you know, go over these 30 questions or whatever, this is the, the formula to fall in love with somebody. So the, uh, the questions got progressively more and more to kind of like push you into being more vulnerable or talking about more personal things so you could get to know somebody on a deeper level. But one of the questions was, what, uh, what topic or topics would you say are off limits when it comes to like jokes? So, uh, Megan and I were going through this list and that was, that was one that we were both kind of like, I don't feel like there is something that overall all the time is, is not okay for jokes. But, uh, but within a lot of context, there are things that are just not okay to be joked about. Right. Like if somebody, it's interesting if were I on a date and we're having this discussion, um, and she were to ask me, you know, oh, so what topics are, are off limits? I'd be like, well, probably specific ones to me and my family or my values or something like that. And even the even that isn't inherently that's not even automatically off the table. But when it comes to like larger topics, even some of the most horrendous things in the world. Um, yeah, nothing really, as long as it's there's a. Uh, a friend of mine made a documentary that I absolutely love called That's Not Funny. You can see it on YouTube. It's it's uh, marvelous. And it's a few years, I think it's three years old now, and it has actually gotten even more relevant since he made it. Uh, but it's not funny. It is not funny. It is stone cold sober. No, it's, it is actually uh, very funny. But it is, a, it is a serious look at comedy and and what we consider off limits. And this I and in the early version of the documentary, he, this guy was interviewing a number of comedians and, uh, that foot, some of that interview footage is is out there. And, uh, comedian Greg Proops, he says, he's like, he goes, is rape funny? No. Can a joke about rape be funny? Yes. 
if it's funny, if you want to make it funny, if you do that, and if you actually succeed in making it funny, it'll be difficult, but if you actually do it, then it can be funny uh, if you are okay with allowing yourself to do that. And and yeah, anything, I think anything can be funny, but it doesn't have to be funny for everyone all the time. And then there's the thing is like, but should it, should it be funny? Sure. Like, should this be like, I, I, yeah, I agree. I was just thinking of like human trafficking, which is awful. Like maybe the worst thing in the world. Official more than one lesson, uh, non-endorsement of human human trafficking. trafficking, Thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. We disagree with human trafficking in all capacities. Have I heard funny human trafficking jokes? Yeah. (laughs) have i laughed at like yeah but it's but i'm not laughing at the idea of human trafficking you know what i mean right so i don't know like it depends on who's saying it how they're saying it why they're saying it like there's so many like things that we sort of like naturally filter out before we can like laugh about it i guess but and it's interesting because so i'm talking you know i'm talking to two people that are in the entertainment industry so when you guys are talking about comedy you are talking about putting it out there to strangers. Well, these, you know, the verses that we're talking about, they could go a, a few different ways. It could be that, or it could be, you know, if we turn, if we turn the mics off, now it's just the three of us and we have a pretty good sense of who each other are and what we would find funny. That's when the human yeah. trafficking jokes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I've got three in my head right now. I can't wait for the show to be over. Um, and so, and I know plenty of people that, uh, plenty of Christians who've said that, that uh, that these verses absolutely apply at all times, even when you're among friends and and you know what the other people believe. You know that you're not that this joke is not going to sway them towards this thing. Yeah. So. Well, I think that where those like the verse is basically about like um, saying things that are destru- destructive and right. not constructive. Like, who are you hurting with this joke? Like, yeah. or with this thing that you're saying, or like, um, are you building somebody up? Like, is the fact that it is funny, uh, an encouraging thing or yeah. are you like dehumanizing someone with the right. joke? Like, are you actually like tearing somebody down? Um, or, uh, is what you're doing helpful or not helpful? Yeah. If the laugh is helpful, even if it was a coarse joke, then you've done okay like the idea of like well what exactly does it mean to be coarse i think fluctuates yeah Mm -hmm. um and i think the idea is like this idea of like uselessness yeah um what is the purpose or use of this joke if it has no if it has no value or negative value why bother it's not helpful right i'm also of the opinion that like like Jesus didn't abolish the law so that Paul could like give us new ones. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I don't, I think a lot of the things, um, in scripture, particularly the new Testament are like our principles, like that, like, Oh, in this case, this is helpful. Like, cause there are things, um, that people do in one context that they do not do in others. And we don't say that they're, um, that they're wrong. Like, for example, uh, Jesus talking about peace or being a peaceful figure, but he also was toppling over um, tables and temples and, yeah. and things like that. Um, so, like, there are, which I don't think are contradictions. I think they are context- contextualized things. Well, and when anytime we're talking about context, we're essentially 
adopting a more nuanced view of the world and how we should interact with it. And, you know, there is also the biblical idea that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And that is, and it could be a thing that something could be beneficial at this particular moment in my life. And then in this other, or this area of my life and in this other area, not at all. Um, It really does, you know, as we're talking about these things, we're talking about comedy, but it's something that that on this show we've been saying about art for years, and it could be said about Christianity in general, is that we keep trying to make things incredibly simple and easy, and we, okay, we've got this one rule, and it's going to work for, for everything. Now, there are things that are simple, it doesn't make them easy, there are things that are simple, even if they're incredibly difficult to understand, like the idea of like God's unfailing love, that is simple. But when it comes to implementation of, you know, the verses that we're talking about here, who am I with? What, what's the general tone of the room? Uh, is this joke meant a certain way? Or am I just trying to fill the space? Whatever it is, like all of these things play into uh, play into the decision to tell this joke amongst a certain crowd, and they make it more complicated. They make it more difficult, not you know, not more simple, not simpler. And and I feel like that is that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think that's a very good thing because. I feel like it's weird as much as we talk about comedy as a coping mechanism. I think that there are a lot of people that will use, I got to be careful when I say this, they will take, people will take verses like these and use them as a way to simplify the world around them as a coping mechanism. It is not how am I, how can I use this to interact with the world? In fact, it is often how can I use this to shut off entire swaths of the yeah. world? How can I me? insulate myself? Exactly. And, and I feel like with, with comedy where, I mean, if you, like you were talking before that in high school, like if you were, if you were the funny guy, it was a way to get people on your side. And yes, okay, there's always the possibility like, I'm getting everyone on my side by making fun of the person who's more of an outsider than me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that is that is destructive, but it could be like, you know, you make a joke and people are on board with you. You have done something positive for them. You've made them laugh, and mm-hmm. that is a very valuable thing. Um, and so, but I do think that nuance and I guess the word discernment has to play into it um, on every level. You know, I know that I myself, I swear, uh, I use profanity, I would say more than I should. And when I say that, it is because I feel like these words do have an inherent power and it is a power that I occasionally will want to invoke when saying something. And if I use them too much, I'm then robbing them of their power. So it's not that I'm saying I, sh- I will never use them. It's that I need I need to do a better job of being discerning in how I use them. And, you know, so that's and I guess that plays into, you know, coarse joking and, and you know, inappropriate, uh, inappropriate is not the word they use. But um, what is it? Um, and 
Uh, unwholesome talk, unwholesome talk. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, so we should probably work towards, towards wrapping up, but, uh, uh, and we'll move into sort of a, a brief recommendation section here. Uh, are there any other, are there any other, th- any other thoughts that you would want to put out to people that are listening to this and, and might have some kind of problem with, with what we're saying? And there's like, no, these verses are very clear. These verses do not equivocate. These verses do not, the word context is not used here. So you guys are trying to make your joking or your senses of humor. You're trying to make it okay. What, you know, if somebody says that, what do we say to them? I I think that's, uh, that's an interpretation of those verses as much as ours is. There's nothing Mm -hmm. in there that says, here's a list of the words that you can't say. And here's a list of the jokes that are not appropriate. Um, in fact, it says in the one, I don't remember which one it was. I feel like it was the second to last one you read, but it said something about, uh, everything you say should be building people up, which I think you mentioned, Kale, at one right. point. Um, if comedy means building people up, which often it does, I think that's a lot yeah. of reason that we all talked about that we that we like it. Um, then I think it 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 is it, it seems biblically advocated in that case. Um, so, uh, and again, going back to us talking about sort of coarseness being something that's subjective then uh, I would go back to something that we've said a lot on the show before, which is that different people have, have different tastes. So what's coarse for one person may not be coarse for another person. So right. we should be respectful of those people who might find uh, something coarse that you don't. And, uh, but we should also be uh, non-judgmental of people whose idea of what's coarse isn't necessarily line up with ours. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, so. The idea of you of comedy and joking being used to build people up, um, you know, it can also be destructive. It can also be used to tear things down. But often, not always, but often, um, comedy that is tearing something down, it is tearing something down that is bad. It is tearing something down so that things can be built up a big, uh, for me, a big example is Dr. Strangelove. You know, it is joking about one of the most horrific possibilities in the history of the world, which is nuclear warfare at a time when it was very feasible. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there are people who thought that that was not funny at all, but Kubrick realized that, and it's, it's interesting that it came out the same year as Failsafe. So you had, the very dramatic film and then the the satirical film and it's this idea it's like we need to recognize that that like nuclear warfare and nuclear holocaust is in the hands of people that aren't always that bright and are and they deal with pride issues they deal with just trying to you know cover their own darn it more than one lesson cover their own <laughs> rears stuff like that uh and so if the people in charge are this flawed i mean asses are pack animals so if you had a lot true. of va- if you had a lot of valuable things on your yeah, burrow you would, would want to cover, cover it you would want to cover that up cover that up as you walk through the city you know what you're making sense i appreciate it um so they can cover you know what that asses. is that's a communication degree right there. <laughs> there are two different definitions for that okay, word. Well, that's a good, um, thank you. Thank you for validating the <laughs> four years of like, it was only a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, and so it's. I think that is a film that it makes fun of this thing that people feel like you can't make fun of, but it does it precisely because, like, yeah, maybe because we're not making fun of it, we're also not talking critically enough about it, and so I will tear it down so that bigger things can be built up. Right. Well, and it's also, um, it's also one of those things that's like a conversation. Like this is a legitimate fear. Mm-hmm. People are like, don't want to talk about it because it makes it real. Now we make fun of it. And then suddenly like that topic is now available to us. Yeah. Like, so now we can talk about these things that scare us. We can have funny conversations about them or we can have serious conversations about them where there were no conversations at all yeah. until they sort of like popped the bubble yeah. of of that topic yeah and and there's a, a history of film certainly but like stand-up i mean when people talk about the best stand-ups they tend to talk about george carlin lenny bruce richard pryor and there's usually like on this mount rushmore nobody's really sure what that other one's going to be for a while it was cosby i think they might have uh, moved away from well, that like jeff dunham or... there you go it's jeff dunham <laughs> and, his, and his uh i puppets. wish i could i wish i could name any of the puppets peanut is there a peanut puppet yeah, sure anyway um yeah. but because uh, they gotta have one person that's super innocuous on there um but like these are guys that really pushed again you know really mm-hmm. pushed boundaries and they were edgy not because like hey man what are they what are they gonna think of this it was more like hey uh i'm noticing some hypocrisy in this society and i think i'm gonna make fun of it and that is why they're they're well known but at the same time there are plenty of people that love stand-up that will point to somebody like a brian regan or a jerry seinfeld who guys who work clean but who whose contribution to comedy and by pointing out the maybe not some giant ridiculous things, but the everyday mm-hmm. ridiculousness that we don't question, but we just sort of accept, yeah. they can also play an important role. Um, so there are some people I think that that build comedy up so much that the only ex- the best kind of comedy is the kind that like it punches upwards. Like no, it's all it's all great. Yeah. It's all it's all of a piece, really. Um, yeah, and there are certain people who like some of those people that you said like could say whatever they want yeah and be fine like louis ck can say whatever he wants yeah even though he's a, a white male yeah can like and people laugh or people and people appreciate it like when nobody thinks that he's a bigot but he yeah. like will say like some pretty racy things or like or I don't know, like very things that are like, if anyone else said this to anyone else on the street, there would be a fight, you know? Um, but like audiences kind of get it and get who he is and like get what he's generally saying. So I think that's another part of context. Yeah. It's like who's saying it and how, um, but there, I don't know, but I don't know where that power necessarily comes from. If it's just from the stage, like if you get it because like, if he started off doing those jokes or if he had to like accrue a certain amount of like time, time in, or if it's just people like expect comedians to say sort of outlandish things. And so they kind of let their guard down. I think there's a little bit of that, but I do think that in really all of the, uh, art, all, all fields of art, there is, uh, once you have sort of a name that it frees you up to do things you couldn't do otherwise. Like, uh, I think the more famous comedians can get away with being a little bit more edgy. Uh, honestly, I feel like somebody like 
if Michael Richards had been uh, yeah. Louis C.K., he probably could have gotten away with some of the jokes that he made. Hmm. Not to say that the jokes were tasteful. And they weren't even really jokes. No, just yeah, not really. shouting things at the yeah. top of his lungs. But, but I feel like someone with a higher clout could get a, could have more. I mean, and I, like I said, that extends to yeah. everything. I, mm-hmm. I think that extends to music. I think yeah. that extends to film. Well, and we need to, in this, because you mentioned this does play into context because if a person is famous, that means people know, obviously it means they know who they are, but they have, they have a, they feel like they have a relationship with them. So they know that, Oh, if he makes this joke, I have enough of a history with this person to know that they're not actually making that joke. Whereas if some, if an open micer goes up and says some stuff, it's like, I have no idea if this person actually believes this or not. But if someone's been around for 10 years, you're like, well, this doesn't really fit. So they must be joking. Right. You know? So, and that's another, yeah, that's another thing to take into account when, when approaching a joke. Um, yeah. And there's always going to be dissenters. Like sure. Dave Chappelle says some, like make some rape jokes. Yeah. And then like, there are people who are like, you shouldn't talk about that at all. Yeah. Uh, but then he also has like, you know, huge theaters of people yeah. laughing at his jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, who's saying it and how they're saying it. I don't know, but there's always going to be people who are going to be offended. And like, how much do we, how much do we care? How much should we care about, um, those people's sensibilities? Yeah. And like, yeah. So how far do we let ourselves be censored? And is that like, how, how useful is that? Cause like you said, we want to be respectful. Um, like we, we want to work within some people's boundaries, but on other, in other ways we want to like, sort of challenge those, which is why I think, uh, Christians making jokes about Christians or like making jokes about, uh, some of the lesser, uh, the harder to understand things in scripture, right. um, are important because I think it's important for people to see like, Oh good. They do see, they do see that yeah. this looks like an inconsistency. And since they recognize it, I can hear what they have to say about it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to people being like, talking as if they have blinders on and don't recognize that like this looks suspicious like yeah god told someone to to sacrifice somebody like to kill his own son like that's feels like bad parenting like he's sort of telling him to not be a great dad like what like let's talk about that or like um god was kind of mean to job like (laughs) at the end like like there's a ton of sarcasm in that uh in that book it's kind of me, but like if we don't, I think noticing those things and still believing what we believe gives us like would at least allow somebody to be like, okay, so you see that, so why do you believe it? And then you can be like, oh, well, yeah. here, let me tell you about it, or let me tell you why that's not what it looks like, or it is what it looks like, but it's different because, or whatever. But it could also, but it could, as you said earlier, it could sort of pop that bubble within Christians where there sure, are things yeah, maybe exactly. they've just accepted that we've accepted for so long without thinking about it because nobody points out that, Oh, this does look a little odd uh, because you know, you just kind of accept things, mm-hmm. especially if you're raised in the church. Yeah. And then if someone makes a joke about it, whether it be Christian or otherwise, there is this instinct where it's like, you know what? I guess that is a little bit silly. 
I should find out why I believe this thing. Yeah, exactly. And but I think whether Christian or otherwise, though, that also gets tricky because sure. if a non-Christian makes that same joke, you're like, well, now, hey, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like then you get defensive and you're not really willing to look at it. Sure. I think because it feels like an attack. Yeah. Whereas which somebody, it might be, which yeah, very well might be. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think coming from somebody like who clearly respects it. Sure. But has like. I mean, who's just observant or like, you know, has questions or doubts or whatever, which are all very productive. Um, If you can like, I think doubt can definitely be productive if you make the most of it, like if you pursue it. But anyway, so we do need to wrap up. So I'll just end with uh, some some quick recommendations. Are there any uh, what are some of your favorite let's say film comedies? And yeah, we can bring up TV as well. Some of your favorite comedic series as well. I uh, wrote mine down because I knew I was going to be asking this question, so I apologize that I kind of sprung it on you. Um, but you you mentioned Arrested Development mm-hmm. uh, to be viewed a very specific way. Right. And I'd say that's probably about right with that one. It kind of makes you wonder, maybe that's maybe that's why it didn't last well, yeah, longer. Because it didn't get its popularity until people could watch, people could watch it on DVD yep. and yeah. then see multiple episodes at a time. Yeah. Um, and by that point it was already on the outs. Like people weren't watching it as it was playing. So the ratings dropped. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways, not the least of which is it was a streaming show made before streaming was possible. (laughs) Um, or binging, I guess is what I meant to say. Um, so I, uh, so I guess I'll, I'll kick us off while you guys are thinking and, uh, maybe I'll, uh, step on some toes. I apologize uh, in case you wanted to say these. I already mentioned Dr. Strangelove. I'm a big fan of silent comedy, uh, because I'm, uh, very smart, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the general, um, the Buster Keaton film. I like the Harold Lloyd films, the freshman and safety last. And then I, as far as Chaplin, I really like city lights. Uh, and the uh, City Lights of Gold Rush and Modern Times, they're all pretty great. I think City Lights is my favorite of the bunch. But um, And then uh, I'll bring up a couple that are maybe lesser known or at least not as talked about. Uh, I'm a big fan of The Philadelphia Story with Cary great Grant. comedy. Yeah. It's, oh, I was thinking of the Tom Hanks one. Or is that just Philadelphia? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> It was a laugh riot. You know, people said that he transitioned out of comedy. I disagree. (laughs) You know, I was uh, on the floor. Um, But uh, and then (laughs) (laughs) hilarious. Um, So uh, and then I also I guess this movie is talked about a fair amount, but I'm a big fan of it is Tootsie. I really like Tootsie, the Sidney Pollack film with uh, Dustin Hoffman. (laughs) He's got really big teeth, but he's still a good person. It's now I just want to watch that movie again. But um, and then as far as TV shows, uh, I was always a sucker for. Uh, I always liked The Tick, and I know that there's mm-hmm. a new live action one coming out soon. Yeah. But I like that animated uh, version. I like The Critic. I'm gonna go with the early to mid '90s things for a while. <laughs> the animated Tick or live action? Uh, I like both of them actually. The one with Patrick Warburton yeah. from like 15 years ago. I like that one a lot. But I'm thinking in terms of the animated Tick. Yeah. But I do like that. People downplay that live action one. It's pretty great in a lot of ways. But um, but yeah, so Josh, what are some of, you're a big fan of Woody Allen. What are some of your favorite Woody Allen I do comedies? like Woody Allen. I think my favorite Woody Allen. The actual Allen, comedies, not like his really serious yeah, I ones. I Interiors is there hilarious. You go. Yeah. Uh, I think Annie Hall is my favorite one. I just, I, there's a lot of them that I like, but I always go back to that one. I think that's my favorite. 
Um, and uh, I'm I'm a fan of some sillier comedies. So I've always liked Monty Python, so I'm a big Holy Grail fan. Um, I'm trying to think of movies that are a little more off the beaten path, maybe. I do like Preston Sturge's stuff, which I guess is a little old-timey at this point. Well, speaking of old-timey, I love the Marx Brothers, so I'm a yeah. big Marx Brothers fan. Um, there's some good clean comedy for you, although it's really not all clean <laughs> comedy. certainly yeah. wasn't at the time. Yeah. Um, but, and uh, every once in a while, there would be like one joke that is like super genuinely racist. <laughs> and he was like, oh boy, okay, <laughs> all right, whoops. It was a simpler time. Uh, sure. <laughs> And um, uh, if I were to think of some recent things, I think uh, the Edgar Edgar Wright. Am I saying yes. the right yes. person? Yes. For some, for a second, I was like Hot Edgar fuzz. Rice Burroughs. Is who you're <laughs> thinking of? Yes, the comedian Edgar Hot Rice Burroughs. Hot Shot of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think he's one of the better film comedians working right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to TV comedies, uh, Gilligan's Island obviously is the best uh, television program ever made. Um, but beyond that, uh, I I think the two, to me, the two funniest shows on right now, or maybe maybe I should say the two best comedies on right now are Rick and Morty and Nathan for You. I love those. I love both of those shows. Yeah, I've seen both, and I enjoy them, but I also find them very depressing for some reason. <laughs> um and then review. Have you seen review? Yeah, review is pretty. Review is pretty great. That is also very depressing. Yes. But uh, and then I feel bad that I didn't mention Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld is probably the funniest show ever. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't feel bad saying that. Like I'm, I'm okay. I think that's. I don't know if it's been agreed upon, but uh, it. You can revisit it dozens of times and always find a, a new line that is the, the funniest things you've, you've ever heard. But, um, Kale thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mentioned arrested development. Um, I think as far as movies go, dumb and dumber was an interesting thing. Cause it was, I hated it the first time I saw it. I was like, <laughs> this is so stupid. And then I watched it again and something about it made me laugh. And then for some reason I watched it again and then I started really, liking it and then like it be it eventually became a movie that i would like kind of lived on like i would watch it when i was like feeling down or if like there was nothing else to do like it mm. was something that like always kind of brightened my day for whatever reason i don't know why. Mm. uh but i felt like it was a life-giving film That's funny. um uh it, which is all the more interesting because i hated it the first time I saw it. <laughs> um I remember liking Death to Smoochie, but I don't remember why. Like, I honestly barely remember. I remember that it's got Robin Williams and Edward Norton, and it does have there, them. Yes, uh, there are some uh, people in uh, children's costume, children's um, show costumes. Yeah, but I don't really remember it anymore. But I remembered liking it. So, well, there was I mean, a, that's not a recommendation, I guess, because I don't remember it. Edward Norton does sing a song as Smoochie mm. called My Stepdad's Not Mean, He's Just Adjusting. And uh, and it's like and it's all about like having patience for your stepdad. And then there comes a moment at the end of the song where he drops his smoochy voice and like no there's no music and he just looks right right at the camera it's like but if he ever touches you like he just like immediately like turns on a dime and, and instills more paranoia. I remember liking that moment quite a bit. Um 
let's see. Uh, I also noises off. As oh, a, yeah. Like a, I mean, as a play, I've never seen the play, but the film um, adaptation was really, really good with Michael Caine. Yeah, and it's pr- probably, and th- this will probably, like, people will, after I say this, will disregard anything I've said about comedy. <laughs> but like, it's probably the only thing I've liked John Ritter in. Is that okay? Like, well, I do. Uh, He's he's pretty great in a lot of things. Admittedly, I'm not a big Three's Company fan. I hate Three's Company. Yeah. All right. And I'm somebody who loves everything from the 70s. So That's true. It is off-putting. Um, but I do think John Ritter is very good in Bad Santa, where oh, he plays... It's That is a very funny uh, movie in general, but he plays the the manager of this mall who is who's just so it's it's a weird uncomfortable performance because he is so nervous about everything and is so worried about like what uh, Billy Bob Thornton is going to do or say and so like someone will just throw out a swear and and and, uh, and John Rivers like um, no I get, uh, no that's 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 fine it's it's okay to say things like that just just not not around children like it just like it's, it's, it gets almost creepy he's so worried about things but it is uh, I do think that performance is pretty great um let's see as far as cartoons a lot of great ones but like space ghost coast to coast yeah i love that show really good Freak- oh my documentary oh, freakazoid was yeah pretty Freakazoid good. was funny i haven't seen that for years um uh i'm sure there are more but those yeah. are the ones that i can think of off the top of my head also our web series which you can find at youtube.com slash mildly fearsome films most of which are very funny although i have learned <laughs> Not necessarily appropriate for children, uh, because I was watching it with my f- family, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, my uncle and aunt just discovered it for some reason, though I'm pretty sure I told them about it a long time ago. But they just happened to find it, and were like, these are great. So then they wanted to watch some more. I was like, okay, we could try these, but I happen to have very young, like, I guess they were second cousins, technically, my cousin's kids, mm-hmm. in the room. And then, like, the more... Uh, that went on the more i was like like kind of cringing when we make like prostitute jokes or um, oh. other sort of or stuff within the show titled murder yeah might be a bit much for right which we didn't actually watch with them but like definitely a lot of jokes i was like i forgot this was in here sorry <laughs> sorry everyone but which i would have no qualms about like yeah. other regular people meaning adults watching i will say there's a part in research where kale has to eat a cake that's one of the, one of the funnier things I've seen in person. Uh, was you eating that messily eating that cake in uh, one episode of research? Oh, that's pretty good. I'll have to go back and watch it. I uh, I did watch it, but I don't I don't remember you uh, eating I ate, a whole cake. Uh, no, I just ate the cake out of the middle instead of like cutting oh, a piece. All right. But it's like I think it's the messiness and, and like you're you're really sad at the time or something, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? So it's like this sad, messy cake eating that. I, I am a big fan of, I enjoy research, but for a number of reasons, I, I really like, I hate it uh, with you and Dan, um, just because it's just fun to see those two characters emerge, but then also yeah. not totally stick to their own rules. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great. And the, the sad sack that you become <laughs> is, uh, it is weird, like, 
sad sacks can be remarkably funny, uh, even if I feel bad for them. But uh, but yeah, the character of Kale I think is uh, is uh, pretty solid. Thanks. Yeah, that's actually one of our most underrated shows, but like underviewed, hence underrated. But like I think one of our definitely one of our favorites. It's a uh, it's a format that I just two people that are reviewing something and then just going completely off the rails. Like I'm a big fan as far as like uh, uh, the things that push a certain button for me, people in an official capacity doing things that are ridiculous will always make me laugh. Uh, Going all the way back to these computer games I played when I was, uh, when I was a kid, Um, it was the space quest series and they had Gary Owens from uh, laugh and he was the narrator and he had this very, commanding voice but he would say ridiculous things and it's like the funniest thing i feel like a child i feel like a dumb child when i laugh at such obvious jokes but i can't help it i think it's funny speaking of funny video games uh portal and portal two, oh, yeah. portal 2 in particular is pretty funny those, those are, are funny, funny games who does the somebody some comedian does the voice of the robot is it simon Pegg or somebody no um who is it Oh, it's the guy who works with Ricky Gervais. Stephen oh, Merchant. Stephen Merchant, Stephen yeah, Merchant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, does one, and then I don't know who the girl's voice is. Yeah, I don't remember that one, but but yeah, no, those are pretty funny. That's interesting. I will have to... Now, do they have... Can I play Portal on the Super Nintendo? Because that's what I have. No, the answer is no. Oh, okay. You can try. I can give it a shot. Can I borrow one of your copies? Uh, and I'll just I'm sure if I have a copy. I'm sure if I just jam it in hard enough, that's, that's I'll be able problem. to play. It. Most people aren't jamming it in right. hard enough. That's and you got to blow on it. That's yeah. the other thing. Um, okay, so this has been going on far <laughs> too long. Uh, so yeah, uh, hopefully you, at the very least you got some uh, some good recommendations of things. But also, like, I wish I could say here's our official view of comedy. But of course, it's it like everything else. It's complicated. So I would say maybe the advice is embrace the fact that it is complicated and try to rise to that occasion as a viewer and as a creator. So, um, all right. So listeners, uh, you can email me. You can always leave a comment for this episode at morethanonelesson.com. You can email me Tyler at morethanonelesson.com or Josh Josh at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter at morelessons. You can follow Josh. At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. And you can also like us on Facebook. Uh, now, where can people... Now, you said it already uh, with the YouTube, but I, I want to... Yeah, YouTube.com yeah. slash Mildly Fearsome Films. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I think I've got like 50 followers. So All right. More the more the merrier. What? Yeah, maybe, it might, maybe even 60. Uh, I think, I believe I it's at M-K-L-M, and that's M-K-A-H-L-E. Yeah. M. McCalum. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I like that. You should go by that. You just, you're McCalum. That's your name. I'm ready to evolve. All right. There you go. All right. <laughs> because well. I hate myself. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, geez. Okay. We got to go. Anything. Okay, we got to go.